and anti-electron source well you can just buy it um <laughs> it's a bit more confident but you can basically buy it <laughs> so what just buy it at the store <laughs> yeah just buy it So hello everyone and welcome back to Passion Play, where you can learn quickly from passionate experts all around the world. Don't forget to give us a like and share if you haven't done so. We really appreciate your support and thank you for listening. I can't express how excited I am for this episode. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm approaching infinity. Today's guest is the next Einstein, a physics superstar, and she works at CERN, one of the world's largest and most respected centers for scientific research. The birth of the internet began at CERN, and you may know it as the facility that discovered the Higgs boson. Melina Vujanovic received her physics degree from the University of Montenegro and spent three months as a CERN summer student as part of the Radiation Protection Group. Getting accepted for the short-term internship program at CERN, and later as a technical student, she enrolled at the University of Belgrade, Department of Theoretical and Experimental Physics. At CERN, Melina was part of the AEGIS experiment, situated at the antiproton decelerator, aiming to perform a first precise, direct detection of the gravitational behavior of antimatter. As if that wasn't enough, Melina runs her own blog called Taubites, where you'll find articles about CERN summer student applications, careers outside academia, and amazing, inspiring scientists that do more than just incredible research at CERN. Without further ado, I would like to welcome Melina onto the show. How are you? A bit nervous. A bit nervous. How's the weather in Liverpool? How's that going right now? Uh, very sunny, which is quite unusual for the UK. <laughs> so I will probably go for a walk uh, later today. Yeah, it's very, very nice. Yeah, it's really nice in Bristol as well. We've had so many people asking for podcasts related to physics, and they are definitely all smiling right now. You have done so much, and to top it off, you're a Marie Curie Fellow as well. Yes, that was a big surprise. Uh, I never expected to, to get that fellowship, and yet here I am. So that's very exciting to be a part of. Yeah, and congratulations, and so humble too, oh my goodness. Thanks, <laughs> thank you. So I guess, yeah, so I guess my first question is, when did you know that physics was your thing? Uh, that's that's quite um, difficult to answer. So it's either 16 or 19, depending on how I understand this question. <laughs> um, but basically, I hated physics. <laughs> I really didn't like the classes. When I first time saw the word physics as my new subject in school, I asked my dad, uh, what is this? And he said, oh, don't bother. This is not something for you. And I <laughs> So I basically hated all my classes, I hated formulas, I hated everything about this until I was 16 and I read, um, I read an article in a newspaper saying that by increasing the um, energy of a proton you can increase its mass and I thought that's like not possible. I couldn't understand. I mean I knew that newspapers sometimes tell lies um, but this was such an obvious one and I don't know why it bothered me so much. I decided to just prove the newspapers wrong and it turned out that I was wrong and that Einstein was right. <laughs> I 
tried to prove that most famous equation in physics e equals mc square was wrong. And that's how it started. I basically started reading more and more. I discovered CERN. I became captivated by everything that CERN represents. And, and then when I was 19, um, I had to choose my faculty. And I was actually thinking between philosophy and physics. Um, and then one day I was just like, why am I thinking so much? I, I love learning and you cannot go more fundamental than understanding nature by studying physics. And interestingly enough, um, during my physics studies, I saw a big connection, actually a connection between physics and philosophy. And I think that I finally was able to understand what Aristotle said, that physics is philosophy of nature. So that's how I began uh, my journey. And I'm really glad that I listened to myself and not everyone else who told me that I shouldn't study physics. <laughs> Wow, that's so cool. And I like the idea that you tried to challenge um, challenge what you saw because it is so many theories in, in physics are very counterintuitive, like they're very mind-blowing. And I think that's really cool that you did try to prove them wrong. And that kind of, in a way, inspired your, your love and passion for physics. So I think that's really cool. Yes, that's true. And nature is so fascinating. And the more you learn, the more fa fascinating it becomes because it works so perfectly. And it's just amazing. I, I thought, you know, when I finish my, my studies, I will know this. I know it sounds cheesy, but this is like 19 year old me speaking. Um, I thought, you know, like when I finish and get this degree, I will be able to see things that usually people don't see and notice things that they don't that you don't you wouldn't understand or saw it in the same way and it yeah. happened because you know like you start seeing the world in a different way and it's simply amazing it's amazing yeah wow that's so cool and yeah as you said like it's you learn it on paper and it actually applies it fits perfectly with the world around you so in a way you're connected and you're learning more about the universe that you live in which is yeah, which is enough to keep you going for so long because it's so interesting and the curiosity just grows as you as you grow older. Yes, and and you are able also like to um, to discover like connection of physics with other aspects in in your life and other disciplines, and um, you can see the advantages of some other disciplines, and um, it, it's it's really eye opening and. I, I really, really, I mean, I cannot express in words how, how glad I am that I persisted with my decision to study physics and that I did it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I know you kind of mentioned already, um, but what inspired you to apply for a position at CERN? I know you did kind of mention it a little bit, but is there anything that you want to add? Well, um, when I started studying physics, to be honest, my goal <laughs> My goal was to understand enough physics to be able to understand tour guides at CERN because my plan was to go as a <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was and that's no joke like I that was genuinely my life goal <laughs> and um, I just you know CERN is um, besides being a place of great knowledge and amazing thing the scientists do every single day. Um, it's also a place where people of different backgrounds and political like stands and beliefs and culture all come together and um, they're all united with the same goal in science and just 
seeing that there is a possibility of something like that inspired me so much. And on a day-to-day basis, you can see um, um, people being like prejudiced and uh, have all this like hate in them and not being able to work together for whatever reason. Yeah. And at CERN, you just simply don't have that. Um, and if if there is some, like I'm not aware of it, definitely, because <laughs> what I've seen at CERN is just one big collaboration and very friendly environment with you know, the idea is to just move forward and build up on on previous knowledge and experiences, and it's simply amazing. Plus, yeah, I really. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say that um, on top of everything, once you work at CERN, you basically have a couch in in every cup. <laughs> to sleep on uh you meet so many different people from so many different countries and that's like you realize how world is so small and that was not only my impression i asked other other students and they had exactly the same impression for me for example canada was so so far away and suddenly it was just like there you know and you know a person there and you know a person everywhere in the world yeah that's such a good point too like the idea that you know um, when you have a common goal regardless of um, as you said like your your backgrounds or your beliefs as long as you work together and collaborate like you can really achieve great things and CERN has achieved you know some of the most miraculous um, things like in in the past decades and that's all because people collaborated and it just shows that if we adopt that same mentality to other areas of the world we'd be a lot further on, I, I definitely think. Exactly, exactly. So that's great. So as I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the podcast, you had the opportunity to work on the AEGIS experiment at CERN. So for the listeners who aren't aware, um, what is that experiment in your own words? Okay, so um, to be able to explain that, I just have to um, make like a simple introduction into antimatter. Um, so if you have an electron, and I, I assume that you heard of electron before, it's a matter particle that's uh, negatively charged. Um, you have um, antimatter particle that is uh, called anti-electron or positron, and it's exactly the same as an electron, but positively charged. So the opposite charge. And that is like an example of what matter and antimatter are. Uh, and when electron and anti-electron interact with each other, they annihilate. So at the beginning of the universe, um, equal amounts of matter and antimatter should have been created, uh, which means that they should have destroyed each other. But for some reason, matter won and we exist. <laughs> and scientists simply don't understand how do we exist? How, how is it possible that everything is built from matter? And that's the question that we are trying to answer. So it's one of the most fundamental questions that we are trying to get an answer to. Um, there are six experiments at CERN. Uh, they're all based in um, antimatter factory. And one of the experiments is um, the one that I worked on. It's called Aegis. Um, so, you know, um, have you heard of that legend um, of Newton and the apple? How apple falls yes, yeah. discovered gravity. So what we and Aegis basically try to do is create an anti-apple and see if it's going to fall 
the same way that Apple would? Would it fall faster, slower, or would it fall up? <laughs> and um, in our case, we don't have anti-apple, we use anti-hydrogen because it's the simplest anti-atom that we can make. Um, and we try to see, like, is there some difference between, like, where is the difference between matter and antimatter? Where does this asymmetry comes from that will explain how everything is built from matter? It's quite impressive if you think about it. Yeah, that is, wow. And I really like the analogy you created of, of using um, Isaac Newton when the when the apple fell on his head. And that's so cool because normally you would think you would just assume that maybe it interacts the same way, but obviously it's possible that it doesn't. And to be able to detect that and to see how it interacts with gravity is would definitely propel us so far along in terms of understanding the universe. So that's so cool that you had an opportunity to, to work on that experiment. So what was your role uh, within that experiment? Um, so, okay. Um, you know how I mentioned anti-hydrogen now as the simplest atom to build? Well, yes, to build. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and what usually um, experiments do, they um, you basically have two ingredients to create anti-hydrogen, anti-protons and anti-electrons called positrons and antiprotons are um, given to us by CERN there is like a complicated process behind it and we get antiprotons and anti-electron source well you can just buy it um, <laughs> it's a bit more complicated but you can basically buy it <laughs> so what just buy it at the store <laughs> yeah just buy it um, so what physicists actually can do is um, mix these two and if they're lucky, they're going to get anti-hydrogen. Well, not lucky, but uh, you know what I mean. Um, the best way to describe it is, um, and something that I always use to, to, to explain this part of my job is, um, imagine if you, you and I were on a football field on the opposite sides, and you had one ball and I had the other football ball. And I said, okay, you hold an antiproton and I hold an anti-electron. Let's now try to collide these two, two balls um, by throwing them towards each other. The chances of that actually happening is very, very small. So what we do in Aegis is we say, okay, so why don't we put like a huge ball, like a bubble in the, in the middle of the court, you take antiproton, I take an antiproton, and we now try to hit this huge ball in the middle. <laughs> that happy are much, much higher. Um, that huge ball that I was mentioning is actually a positronium and it's an exotic atom that does not naturally exist on Earth and is made of an electron and anti-electron. So what happens is that we throw this anti-proton to this bubble, he grabs anti-electron and other electron like just flies off and anti-hydrogen is created. Um, my role was to create that atom basically wow um, yeah so that was quite quite an experience because um it was difficult um it's experimental physics so things always break and they never go the way you want it but then when they do it's so amazing like i i cannot even explain the feeling when we realize that we created positronium it's just like you know, 
besides the fact that I, now my entire life I can go and say, oh, I created an exotic atom that doesn't exist on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just amazing feeling and the whole collaboration comes together and celebrates its small wins towards a big goal. So that's, that was a very good experience. Wow, you can literally start any conversation at any party or, or dinner table just saying that you created Positronium and everyone will just be quiet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then, you know, the problem is that I get so excited about this, then I start talking a lot and then I'm like, oh, am I boring? I will just leave. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. That is literally amazing. I mean, to have that on your resume, I mean, that is, that's exceptional. And congratulations for doing that. I mean, that is, as you said, with experimental physics, oftentimes the hardest part is um, working with the equipment that you have and making sure everything's calibrated and the data that you're getting is what it actually is. There's no noise and ensuring that the data that you're looking at is, is what you actually want it to be. So that's, that is amazing. Wow. And thanks. Thanks. I have to wow. think it's quite an amazing thing. Yeah. Still, I cannot yeah. That I was part of it, but um, yeah, it, I was, and I'm happy. I cannot, I cannot express in words how amazing that is. Incredible, really. Yeah, and that's the greatest thing too. When you can't even believe what happened, like you're really—that's showing that you're literally li like living the dream, which is, which is great. Yeah, because you know, like I always, before I came to CERN, I was always like, oh, they're so smart. They're all like genius genius people working there i will never work there and then like oh so they don't hire only genius people because i happen to be here somehow and like you like you just do things that you don't like they're just so normal they become like they teach you it's not like you come there and you know everything like the whole part of the positron physics i learned when i came to cern i didn't have this knowledge before cern but then you just start learning like piece by piece and then suddenly like you did something and you're like I cannot believe that that, that was like me like that I was part of this and it's just so incredible really and yeah but it's just like you and I and anyone else can do it as well they just have to like go there and try and work and it's, it's really possible yeah <laughs> as scary as can sound. There are no genius people there, like me. <laughs> no, don't say that. You're too humble. But that is that is exceptional. Wow. So, yeah, and you're based at the Cockcroft Institute at the University of Liverpool? Yeah, yeah. So, um, when I was working at, at CERN, um, my supervisor came to me and said, oh, there is this Marie Curie Fellowship program. It's ITN network. Um, so it's like innovative and training network uh, program. Um, it was like huge supplies for antimatter physics. I, I did, and I got a position at University of Liverpool. Um, there are 15 projects. They all work towards um, either like directly on experiments on antimatter or they're trying to develop some diagnostics um, or they work on beam dynamics and what i do is basically beam optimization and diagnostics uh, for antimatter experiment at cern and i'm also very lucky that one of the experiments in this collaborate in this program is the is the one that i used to work at cern so that's a very nice that i didn't have to leave 
collaboration fully uh, to pursue my PhD. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, it's great that you were able to keep that collaboration. That's awesome. And you're obviously enjoying it. Like, you're, I can just imagine you're so excited. I'm sure when you wake up each day, like, you're excited to, to go in and, and to do your work, um, which is great. That, that's the point that you want to get to where you can't wait until Monday because you're able to pursue the things that you've always dreamed of. Of course, of course. I mean, um, not to be fooled, like you always have like challenges and problems and um, things that you feel like they can be better. But then at the end, um, you know, you overcome all these problems and you're able to like move forward and learn more and look back and actually be proud of yourself for managing to do something. And for me, that will be this PhD. Um, I never expected to to apply for PhD program. Uh, I never expected to be at CERN. <laughs> I never expected to finish physics university at <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I'm here and I just conquered one challenge at a time. And yeah. Wow, congratulations. I'm honestly sure you're inspiring so many people right now who are listening. Um, people who are thinking about whether they should go into, into science or engineering. And I'm sure you've definitely brought them over to the, to the right path. So that's, that's great. Thank you for everything that you've said. No, of course, I, I strongly believe that, you know, if I was able to come to CERN and do all of this that everyone else can, it's, it sounds much harder than it actually is. I mean, you, you, yes, of course, you need to put a lot of work and you need to be disciplined. Uh, but at the end of the day, everyone, everyone can do it. And it's just a matter of determination. And exactly. That, so I came to CERN. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing all your experiences at CERN. Um, I guess part of what you've done is you've taken those experiences, as you've just said, and have created your own uh, blog and website called Tau Bites, which is awesome. I've checked it out. If you haven't checked out Tau Bites, definitely check it out. I'll include the links at the bottom of this podcast as well. So it's such a really great website and it has so much information in regards to um, the careers at CERN and some of the really cool scientists and what they do on their their day-to-day lives. So your site Taubites is awesome. How did you come up with the idea and the name actually? <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, last year I was invited to come to CERN and give a talk to undergraduate students um, about the opportunities they have at CERN. And, you know, from somebody who, who works on a small experiment, like antimatter experiment, um, what well, that's small compared to other, <laughs> which is small <laughs> an experiment that have like thousands and thousands of people working on. Um, so I was like, I went there and I gave them my opinion, my views on, on things and how they can apply. And I shared my contact and if they have any questions, they can reach out to me. And then this talk caused other people to invite me to talk to their university, to their students. Um, and suddenly people started reaching out, asking for help. And a friend of mine um, said, why are you wasting your time? That's what he said, like, why are you wasting your time um, talking to all these people and um, like doing all of this for free? Like, just make a blog or something like this, and then you can just get rid of them. And I was <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, that sounds awful. <laughs> I started thinking and I was like, well, actually, you know, if I 
there is no such platform on the internet right now. Like there is nothing similar. And if I can actually create a blog that will contain all the answers to the questions that I usually get um, and make myself available to them, to, for them to send me their CVs, motivation letter and essays, that would be great because, you know, when I was applying, I wish I had someone who would give me some kind of guidance. I could just, if, if not, if nothing, just to ease my insecurities uh, at the time. And I was like, and there is another thing, like I can actually reach more people with this and help more students. When I started it, I expected maybe 100 people based on the number of students I was getting at the time who were reaching out to me. It was like two or four students per week that needed help. And then suddenly when I created this blog, it just escalated. Like it was so much more students that that were in need of this. So even though my friend said, make this to get rid of them, I um, I created, like I got this idea of the blog and I created it not to get rid of them, but rather to make it more available for them and make it exactly easier. And, and you know, like I always said in my posts, like if you have any questions on your own, just write me. And I have students daily writing to me and I'm so happy that I get to share that with them. Um, and regarding the name, okay. Okay, this is stupid. I, I just have to, I, I... <laughs> I'm so interested to find out. So it's, um, it, it's very hard finding a name. And as you probably know, because you created like your podcast and um, your business, and it, it's just a very hard thing to do. What I liked uh, was like using two terms put together. Yeah. But I couldn't come up with any, like I, I was like finding nice physics and computer science terms and stuff like this. And then one day I was like watching something on Netflix, I don't know. And my cat called Tao <laughs> beat me. Tao, <laughs> oh, you bite. And I was like, wait a second. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Actually, I can put this as Tao bites, which are like, you know, for any person looking at the name, it's just like, like one physics term, like a particle, and one computer science term mean nothing. Yeah. Me. It means like my cat is biting me all the that, time. That's so, because it actually is true. Tau bites. So it's, it, you're not lying. It's, it's true. Tau does bite. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes she does. Especially if I don't provide cuddles. So. <laughs> but it, it's like, I, I know that it's completely silly, but whenever I see the name, I start giggling. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> My book, and only I understand it. Well, now you and all your listeners as well. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. So you must have an, a knack for creating puns. Uh, yes. Um, well, my full name of my cat is actually... <laughs> oh my god, I, this is embarrassing. So her full name is Tau, D yeah. dot, A dot. So if you read it out loud, is Tau Decay, which is like article. <laughs> <laughs> and people who are not physicists, they will not get it. They will be like Tau Decay, uh, okay. And I'm like, but you get it, <laughs> a decay of Tau particle. And like, yeah, I do these things. Um, I'm geek like that. I'm trying to control it. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, don't control. I do the exact same thing. That's hilarious. Yeah, I I like it. Yeah. And English is such an awesome language to do things like this. It's in my language it would be much much harder, but yeah. It's very fun language and I'm having a lot of fun with it obviously. <laughs> oh, that is too funny. Tau bites. I'm never I'm that's, I'm just going to think of your cat now. <laughs> she is awesome. She's And what what kind of cat is it? It's a raga muffin. It's apparently a genetic modified breed. <laughs> They chose the best parts of both breeds, at least that's to my knowledge. And then you get like this perfect fluff ball. <laughs> yeah, I just love spending time with her. I'm like a true cat lady, so you might, you might want to skip talk about the cat. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure that if she was a human, she would be a physicist. <laughs> She's very curious. Very, very intelligent as well. So yeah, so I guess to work at CERN you need to you need to get a cat as well. Yes, yes, that's one of the requirements. So for someone aspiring to work at CERN, uh what skills would you suggest that they build? Oh, that's very difficult to answer because you have different groups asking for different things. Yeah. Uh, what I personally noticed that um students do, they try to impress um CERN for very good reason because CERN can sound intimidating and then students try to put a lot of skills like five programming languages 20 different physics that they're interested in and my personal belief is that you should keep it very simple so it's better to have um like one or two skills that you're really good at um that you're going to be hired for than have 10 or 20 um that you are okay with or just familiar with um programming languages are always a good thing to have and it's always advantage regardless of uh your scientific background so you can be an engineer computer scientist well computer scientists need to know how to program <laughs> but um, <laughs> physicists like it's always good to have a, at least one programming language in um like on your cv um i personally had fort fortran which oh, i never yeah. used yeah. like 77 and I learned that 77 stands for a year and I was like oh my god <laughs> but I was like should I put it there or not and I was like well I don't know much of programming so it's better at least to have one skill and actually my summer studentship project was um like based on like using Fortran as a language uh but I didn't have like 20 programming languages like I just used the the skills that I'm good at and try to make the most of it. So yeah, I would say programming skills. Um also like very good idea is to work on your personal projects. So you don't yeah. have to, or like have some internships and jobs like that are maybe not even like directly uh, related to what you're studying, but you are using skills that you acquire on your studying um like during your studies. Um I think that's like very good because then you can show that not only that you acquired skills but you are using them and you can very nicely put this in your CV and your motivation letters without actually directly pointing at them and saying like look I'm very good at like doing data science instead you can have a project like even small project at home doing da some data science and be like oh i worked on this project it's about this this and this and indirectly you are saying that you 
not only know data science, but you have experience in data science. I don't know exactly very well. I hope no, yeah, no, that's, I've, and I've definitely heard that as well, because I guess the common uh, perspective is that, you know, you have to be given projects at, at school, but oftentimes you can just develop your own projects, and that still counts as experience because you're showing initiative as well, and you're looking for problems that exist in the world, and by you going out and trying to solve them on your own, it actually is even greater than if you had worked on uh, like an experiment at your university or something like that. So I know you'd mentioned Fortran. Um, do you have any other coding languages that you're trying to learn or that are kind of gaining popularity if you were to kind of rank your top three coding languages? So <laughs> I'm not a very good in coding. I'm learning how to code properly. Um, and my favorite language is definitely Python. Python, um, yeah master right now um i don't very much like fortran but it was very useful <laughs> obviously um for cern i can tell you uh, because i don't know much about languages like separately to be able to say oh these three are the best for me or something like this um, yeah but for cern uh, for example um the most used ones are c plus uh, python and then there are people who use also Root, um, Fortran uh, in one department, and um, I know people who use Java. But C++, uh, yeah. Python, and Root would be the most uh, common languages. Um, and if you know one of these languages, that's definitely a big plus in your application to CERN. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, thank you for uh, for sharing that as well. I'm sure a lot of people are who are looking to learn new languages will definitely prioritize the ones that you had mentioned. Yeah, well, I always joke that official language of CERN is is not English and French, but C++. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I mean, that's how, how everything is really communicated um, fundamentally. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so cool. So thank you for sharing about your your Taubytes platform and your blog and uh, talking about some of the skills that you've acquired and that are beneficial for working in an environment like CERN. So a little off topic, but I've noticed from your from your account that you always have really cool physics accessories and clothing. Where do you get them? Like, do you make them yourself? Is there a company that supplies them? So some of them are from CERN. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, so the uh, this like Grangian um, t-shirt and mug are from CERN souvenir shop and basically anyone who visits CERN can get it. Um, but yeah, I actually do make things on my own because as you might have noticed, I have a thing for geeky things and, uh, <laughs> um, and pants and so on. And it actually started because I wanted a gift, a gift for my friend and I made her like a science joke t-shirt and then another friend was like i want a t-shirt and then i made them a custom made like physics t-shirt and then i started doing like t-shirt for myself and they always joke like when are you going to open your shop so we can like just buy stuff that you make i mean like but that's only a joke like i have like a lot of ideas and i'm very into these kind of things so I'm very happy to create and buy new things, definitely. And that's awesome too, because I mean, if people are saying, when are you going to open your store? I mean, that's 
there's a lot of people in business who who wish that they had that those kinds of comments from from their community which means that there's definitely a demand for it and even me too as like an engineering student I know a lot of my friends and colleagues uh, as you said like we just love you know those those shirts that have formulas on them or little puns as you had said related to maths or engineering and people definitely love buying them and, and wearing them too as they're studying at university it just kind of creates a a common common interest and kind of a fun uh, in regards to their program yeah and at the end of the day like most of us like to feel like they belong somewhere and they belong to yes so you know when you recognize someone and you like oh okay and i think that we like that feeling of being able to understand this like internal jokes um, between the, the STEM community and the like recognizing each other and yeah it's it's quite it's quite amazing yeah especially when you're studying for exams and you're in the library for a long time just seeing someone else with that shirt just kind of gives you some comfort <laughs> we are all in the same thing together <laughs> exactly so that's so cool so for the listeners who aren't aware uh, Melina does post top facts so you have like top fact Tuesday Thursday and I recently saw one on Friday as well so which one so out of all the top facts that you've done I know obviously all of them are you know are super interesting and super valuable but if you were to pick one to share with the world now which one would it be um, okay so um, I actually wanted to share something else <laughs> but because of the comment that you made earlier now I, I switched to my choice <laughs> so, <laughs> you remember how I said that um, oh you just buy source of anti-electrons anti and you said oh you cannot just go and buy it in the store yeah well actually you can because um, Funny enough, bananas <laughs> one of the rare sources of antimatter in the world. And um, yeah, that's like that's quite impressive. Um, so bananas contain um, a potassium 40 and when yes. it has a natural decay, so when it when it decays it creates positron. Um, well, it creates positron anti-electron once every 75 minutes. So if you think about it, we are all like small walking antimatter factories, which is pretty cool if you ask me. <laughs> wow, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So for anyone who wants to uh, work on that project, just go to your local local grocery store and pick up how many bananas would you say? Three or four? <laughs> 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 no, no, I'm, I'm only joking. Yeah, yeah. no, but, but that's fun. yeah. There are a lot of very fun facts that you don't necessarily know uh, know of, and uh, especially about scientists. These are one of my favorites. Um, I always laugh so much when I learn something new, and I. I have so many fun facts um, in my head and I was like, why wouldn't I just share them with people? So I started Fun Facts Tuesdays and Thursdays and then some of my f one of my followers said, why don't you make it on Friday so that it rhymes like Fun Fact Friday? So I will just ask uh, everyone else what they think about it and uh, like 98% of my followers said like, yeah, change it to Friday, we prefer it. So I change it. and. Uh, this Friday was the first post on Friday about my fun facts. I 
I really like the the community that I that I have on Instagram because they're all um, students trying to either get to CERN or are in, or are inspired by CERN and um, they definitely one thing that they have in common is love towards STEM. Uh, also, yeah, and then we can talk about that. We even created like a book group, and they always feel free to come and share suggestions of what they would like me to do or like or see on my profile more. And then, you know, I bring this up to, to, to the community and they vote and say like, yeah, we want that or we don't want that. And yeah, and then we just grow together. I don't mean like grow in a sense of followers growth. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just like reaching a point where it's getting very hard for me to, um, to answer everyone. So it takes time for me to answer. Um, I never expected that I will have this many people who would want to talk to me. So it's it's quite interesting and fun, definitely. Yeah, and that's so great that you've actually been able to create a community of people who share the same passion and uh, the same interests within the STEM, uh, within STEM in general. And that's great that it's growing so big that it's even hard for you to maintain. I mean, that that's actually a good thing that you're attracting so many people like that. And I'm sure they know too that obviously you're you know, creating positronium, you're very busy. Um, but it's just so great that, that you've created that community for yourself. That is, that is remarkable. Um, so you did mention that you have a lot of fun facts related to scientists. So if we hop over to the quantum corner here. Um, yeah, that sounds the quantum corner sound. So if you were to choose a favorite scientist, I know it's probably really hard for you. Who do you think it would be? Mm, I hate you for this question. <laughs> um, okay, I can give you my top three scientists. That's the best. Top I three. Can. Yeah, Dirac, Fermi, and Heisenberg. Um, I like them for different reasons. Um, I really, really like them, and I wish that I had an opportunity to meet them. Um, but one scientist that inspired me, like, and showed me by example, was Amy Notter. I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name in English, um, but she had to deal with a lot of things um, and she fought for just a chance to, to do what she loves. And um, on some level, um, I can relate to things that she uh, went through um, and she definitely was my inspiration throughout my studies. Um, and yeah, that's my top four now. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, and like, yeah, I find too when you're studying too, like, you're able to really, as you said, uh, connect with these scientists. Like, you can actually almost paint a picture of how their personality was from reading articles and the way that they came up with their uh, their theories and the way that they thought. Like, you can find a lot of similarities, and I'm sure you've done that as well as you're studying and, and try to connect with them um, in terms of trying actually, to... Actually, yeah. I got quite um, frustrated uh, on my second year because or third I cannot remember now um, because I realized that you know when you say Schrodinger you think equation when you say Newton you think laws you just like I just stopped and was like they were all humans like I want exactly about them and then I just started reading books about them and their lives and um, of course it shed light on their discoveries and how they came up with certain things but it also gave me a chance to learn 
um, learn a lot about them, who were, who they were as people and the things that they went through. And it's just, okay, in most cases, you're like, oh my God, this is so funny. <laughs> Science is really weird. Um, but that also, you know, like I learned that through the books and then I discovered that on my own by meeting my scientist friends that we are all very unique. Um, but I think that applies to all humans. So um, it, it, is, it gives you a different perspective. So yeah, I just spend a lot of time reading about their lives. Um, and yeah, some things I wish I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. So switching gears now. So in terms of, well, I'm not sure if it's related to what you study in that, but if you were to pick a favorite superhero um, and they were still around, like, and you were able to meet them, who would it be? Favorite superhero or superhero I would like to meet? Because they're different. Super, well, well, that's true. Okay, we'll say superhero you'd like to meet. Iron Man. Iron Man. Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be very interesting to to see the lab laboratory that he has and all the gadgets and just like talk with him. I think it would be very, very interesting. He is too arrogant in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, he is a little arrogant. Yeah. Um, but you know, like it happens that you have arrogant scientists. So I'm kind of used to that. Um, but I think it would be very, very interesting conversation. Him and the Hulk, I think would be very interesting partners even though in the movies they talk nonsense um <laughs> the idea of them i really much like so i would love i would love to meet them yeah yeah so are you excited for endgame oh my god yes my friend and i are watching all 21 movies i advise you to do it if you haven't before like just to watch all of them in chronological order because it's really amazing you can really make great connections that maybe you missed before i missed for sure so yeah because i know i think it was in ultron where tony stark said we're in the end game now or something like he used the word end game earlier on yeah yeah i watched that movie yesterday um yeah you have that and you have like a lot of um connections with like with kree and with um uh, with different characters and Infinity Stones and so on, like throughout all the movies. Who is your favorite character? My favorite character? Oh, you're putting me on the spot now. Um, I would say, honestly, I was going to say Iron Man as well. Just because he created his own element, like in the second movie. I we had it on Instagram, ask people to guess my favorite one. And a lot of people said Iron Man which I found very interesting. Uh, my favorite superhero from Marvel Universe is Captain America, the funniest Ant-Man for sure. My overall favorite one is Loki. Really? Yeah, I really like his character. He is very complex, complex and very smart. I really liked him. The God of Mischief. Yes, yes. Yeah, I don't think he's actually dead, but we'll, we'll see. Oh, I hope not. Like, I When I went for Infinity War, I just went and was like, whatever happens, I just don't want Loki to die. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. It did not start well for me. Awesome. So I do, I have one more question for you. So along the lines of movies and all that, if say Einstein were still around, which sci-fi movie would you recommend to him? I wouldn't because I don't like Einstein. 
Oh no. Okay, uh, Heisenberg. Um. Oh yeah, I would really like to watch a movie with him. He is a funny guy. Um. What is considered sci-fi? Is Marvel movies sci-fi movies? I would say so. Yeah. It's hard. Like either uh, Star Wars Episode Five or Ooh. one of the movies. I guess that I would watch. And I think Heisenberg would be a very good companion. Of all the physicists, I think he would be the most fun to watch something with. He would have, like, good comments, I think. Yeah, he, he'd throw in little funny comments and... Yeah, very witty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, honestly, thank you so much for your time and for sharing all your information, uh, sharing all your experiences and your passion for physics and antimatter and creating a community of people who are able to develop their skills and actually work on their dreams and actually pursue them. So I know for a fact that you've inspired so many people today. So with that, I just want to say thank you for being on the show. I learned so much today. I know everyone else has. And it was such a pleasure to meet you. To everyone listening, please check out Melina's Tau Bites website. As I mentioned earlier, it will be in the link below. It is so well polished and the content is super valuable. Don't forget to give this episode a big thumbs up as we really appreciate your support. And thank you again, Melina, and I hope everyone has a great day. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Cheers.